Good morning, good morning. First Peter chapter 1. This morning our text will be found in verses 13 through 16. Are you awake this morning? Everyone looks so refreshed after that very short night's sleep, correct? Um, I love that song. Um, and I love that scene that we can focus on that awaits those who have given their heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, I was thinking the reason for that. Um, I was just given word this morning that it's been confirmed uh, less than one month uh, as we celebrate Easter, Resurrection Sunday. Uh, we'll be able to join both of the services together, and we're going to be at the uh, Castanea Firegrounds again um, and so what an opportunity to worship together as one. Uh, with that thought, I think about that day that we're, we're, we're launching into the public phase of our campaign. Uh, let me just remind you um, how important it is for you to be part of March the 28th, that Saturday. If you've not got your little card in, make sure you do that so that every single person is part of that very, very special evening, a celebration of what God, I believe, has already done and will continue to do as we seek to worship together and fellowship together as a body. Appreciate your prayers for me and my family. Last week I was down to see my dad and mom. Mom is not doing real good. Um, so I would appreciate, we would appreciate continued uh, sustained prayers in that. Um, I love this text. There's a lot here. It is a weighty, heavy text. I appreciate Scott reading from Revelation chapter 5. It's really that scene that we have in our sights. We want to keep in our focus this morning um, as we prepare to be obedient to all the truth of God's word. Let, let me remind you what takes place in a setting like this, okay? Uh, my job, my job is to get this truth, okay, to you. That's what God has called me to do. That's my desire to be obedient I want you to understand from that moment, okay, it's your responsibility of what you're going to do with this truth. There is a weight, there is a heaviness when you receive these words of what is it that God desires for you to do in being obedient to his word. So we're learning and growing together. Let's bow our heads and ask for God's help as we look into his word this morning. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and we understand what is at stake whenever your word is open. Heaven and hell awaits. Father, I am in need this morning of your strength, clarity of mind and thoughts and speech. I thank you, Lord, that you are here with us, your present. Father, I would ask that you would open hearts and ears to hear. Father, we have a momentous task before us. We are called to, to be like you. We're called to be holy. And Lord, we in and of ourselves are anything but. But we are grateful. I am grateful for your word and your spirit. I'm grateful for your body that exists here alongside of one another to assist, to strengthen, to encourage. And Lord, we want to do that to one another, for one another. But we want to be a, a bright, shining light in this community. And we need your help. 
Guide us now, direct our attention. Father, may you be glorified. We pray, Lord, for my brothers and other pulpits in this community that are preaching the gospel. Empower them, quicken their hearts and souls and spirit and their listeners as well. That we together, we together would move forward for your glory. We ask this in the strong name of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. There's little doubt that when we are in the midst of a difficult moment, traumatic time, a trial, um, a troublesome time, that it's easy for us when we kind of get rattled a little bit to say things, to do things that are kind of weird. Um, when someone gets upset, oftentimes our minds are not functioning clearly and we try to communicate and it doesn't always come out like that. Um, I was reading this week and I stumbled upon, and, and perhaps you've heard of these before. Um, people, if they've ever been, if you've ever been in fender benders before, little minor car accidents, and you have to fill out a, an insurance report, uh, and people get really rattled as a result of that. And so I, I stumbled upon these. These are actual statements that were made. Someone's upset, okay? Something has just happened. It's not very pleasant, not very fun. They're shaken. And they write down a description of this is what has taken place. Listen to this. Listen to how people think when they get a little rattled, okay? Here's one report. An invisible car came out of nowhere. It struck my car and vanished. Um, here's another one. I've been driving for 40 years when I fell asleep at the wheel and had an accident. I think we get the idea of what he's trying to say, but it's not really coming out very clear. The guy was all over the road. I had to swerve a number of times before I hit him. I saw a slow-moving, I saw a slow-moving, sad-faced old gentleman as he bounced off the roof of my car. I pulled away from the side of the road. I glanced at my mother-in-law and I headed over the embankment. (laughs) Here's one. No one was to blame for the accident, but it would have never happened if the other driver had been alert. Or this one. I didn't think the speed limit applied after midnight. You know, we always come up with some kind of an excuse for something. Something's not happening according to what we think or how we think it should happen. And we get frazzled. Uh, this letter, is, if you recall, has been written, First uh, Peter has been written to people who are going through troublesome times. They're going through hard times, harsh times, trials, and it's easy, just like you and I, when we get frazzled and worried to say things and do things, it's the exact same thing in this context. Peter is writing to this group of people that are going through difficult times and in order to encourage them and calm them down, to soothe them, to give them hope, what Peter does is he directs their attention to the Word of God, but also he directs their attention to the work of God. And in doing that, he motivates them for action. Matt McDermott, we are so blessed and I was so encouraged by his word last week to us, preaching on where to keep our focus on salvation, on the full weight and the extent of the gospel. When we offer our lives as broken sinners, the Lord Jesus Christ, we are what? We are in a blood-bought relationship with the Holy God through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. We learned and we have been reminded about the full blessing, the value, the strength, the eternality of salvation. 
Understanding what? Salvation is all God. God created you. God saw you. God loved you. God chose you. God executed a perfect plan of salvation for you through the execution of his own son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who bore the wrath of his heavenly father, who died and what, as we celebrate in a couple of weeks, rose again. And he did this for you. He did this with you and me in his sight. As we dive into this text, we ask this question as a result of all that God has done. What is our responsibility? Do we have any responsibility? What is it that God challenges us? What is it that God expects from us? Ever think of this? Does God expect anything from us, from you? Yes, he does. First Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Here's our text down through verse 16. Follow along as I read this morning. Listen for clear commands that God expects for you and I to be obedient to this morning from Scripture. First Peter 1, verse 13. Therefore, preparing your minds for action... Preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as He who called you is holy... You also be holy in all of your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Well, there's a lot in this text. It begins with this first word. What is it? Therefore. I was always taught in school, whenever you read the word therefore, you have to look to see what it is therefore. It is, it is a connector that immediately draws us back to the previous text that Matt preached on last week. As a result of the full weight and the depth and the width of, of salvation in one's life, as a result of salvation, it must affect our life. Hear me very, very clearly this morning. There is a responsibility that God expects from you. And please hear me and please understand, this is a result of our salvation. It is not for salvation. Okay? There's no works that you can do to get yourself into heaven. As a result of salvation, this is what God expects from us. Number one, be sober in your minds. How do we do this? We do this by, A, getting ready for action. Peter begins with a very unique illustration. A unique illustration for listeners in his day, but also it applies very clearly to you and I today. He says, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded. I don't know about you, but, but I was raised as a kid, memorized a lot of verses in the old King James Version. And we're familiar with that. Now, I still love the, the wording, although perhaps it's not as clear in today's context or culture. I love the wording of this phrase in the King James Version. It says this, gird up the loins of your minds. 
What is this? Gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope. This is a, it's referred to as a metaphor. Speaking about an ancient custom of girding up or tucking in, which is very helpful. Now think about this. Unlike our culture of what? Of jeans and khakis and cargos, the common dress of ancient Middle Eastern culture was what? Was a long robe. People would wear long robes. Now I know this is going to be a little bit of a stretch for you, but... Personally speaking, I'm not a long robe kind of a guy, okay? I I don't know if you've ever had to wear one or not. I can think of graduation. I've had the privilege of speaking at at numerous graduations, and you always have to have your formal, your your academic regalia on, your attire. And, And how kind of uncomfortable you are in that. Remember one particular time I was sitting up on the stage and I was introduced and I went to get up and I had stepped on my robe. And so you can't, you can't, it's really awkward. It's uncomfortable in every, in every part. So what Peter is doing here is he's telling us what? Don't get caught. He actually tells us to what? Tuck your robe, pull it up a little bit and tuck it into your belt so that you get ready to move, to be physically active, to prepare yourself ahead of time is to gird up. And he says specifically you're you're girding up your minds. Peter is applying this picture not just of our active ability. Peter is drawing this picture for our cognitive ability. The author is speaking about our thinking process. The author is speaking about your and my thinking process. How do you think this right here every day? How should you think? You ever hear someone who, who perhaps has made this, this statement before or said this? Yeah, my mind is it's all over the place. Things get busy. Okay, you kind of step on the edges of your robe and you're like, what? I am so frazzled. I'm not thinking properly. I'm so confused. Matter of fact, we hear those kind of statements all the time. In essence, what the author is saying is gather together all the loose ends of your thinking. Gather together all the bits and pieces and fragments, frankly, of our fallen fleshly mindset and bring it all under control. Peter is saying refuse to think like everyone else thinks. Peter is actually telling us, refuse to be like everyone else in this world. Refuse to have a mind like everyone else in this world. You ever realize how many references there are? How many direct references there are to your mind in Scripture? Part of our mission right here as a church, we talk about what Matthew chapter 22 and verse 37, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your hearts, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. 
It says in Romans chapter 12, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Philippians chapter 2 says what? That this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. One of my favorite references in all of Scripture. I think it's because I'm a pastor. Is found in 2 Timothy and in chapter 4. And it says this in verse 2, in admonition and, and, and in exhortation for me and for preachers of the gospel. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, Paul says what to Timothy? As for you, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Lots of references throughout the pages of Scripture about your mind and my minds. Now it says specifically what our, our, our minds are to be sober. We're to be sober-minded. Please understand this is not a reference to not being drunk. Okay? Uh, drunkenness, being out of control is always clearly forbidden in the pages of Scripture. It is a non-negotiable, okay? It, it is a non-issue. We're not speaking about, we're not to be drunk here. It talks about to be sober in the way that you think. It means that you're supposed to be controlled in your thinking. You're supposed to actually be orderly in your thinking. It talks about the way we're supposed to think, soberly, but it also says why we're supposed to think like this for action. What does this infer? What does this imply? That the Christian is to be moving in their life, is to be doing, is to be serving, is to be speaking, is to be giving, is to be sacrificing. The Christian is, is girding their minds for action. It also tells us what we're to think on. Here it is. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Another translation words it like this. Rest your hope fully. We can set our hope. We can rest. We can just kind of bask and bathe in the hope that we brought to you in God's grace the revelation of Jesus Christ. So we're to be sober in our minds, A, by getting ready for action, but B, by setting your hope on God's grace. Think of it like this. In light of one's great salvation, Christians, you and I, every single day, live unreservedly for the future. We do not live for today. Okay, all the stresses and all the... You know what? We live unreservedly for the future, anticipating the consummation of our salvation at the second coming of Jesus Christ. Specifically, it says what? We're to have a disciplined mind. Oh, that is so hard. But every day, we are to be sober-minded in light of the fact that, you know what? We know how it ends. We know who wins. 
And that propels us and that motivates us. We are called every day to be alert and to be awake, yet calm and controlled and steady in light of the fact that what we know grace has been given. My grace is sufficient for you in the hour of need is a promise from Scripture. You and I are called to have clarity of mind. You and I are called to have a moral decisiveness. We're not at that very moment thinking, how should we? Should we be obedient? No, we have moral decisiveness, spirit-controlled thinking. In light of the fact that God's word is very clear, God commands it, Jesus Christ modeled this for us, and the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to accomplish it, gives us the strength and the means. To be perfectly honest... I believe that when we live in light of the truth of Scripture, we live in light of the Gospel, not only does it become easy, it becomes joyful. A joyful experience because we know the outcome. Rest in that. Be encouraged with that. Regardless of how dark and depressing it seems out there, we know the outcome. As Christians, we are called to have clear thinking, enough to say, I will not be like everyone else in this world. I will not think like others in this world, but I will think differently. I will think soberly. I will think, and we commit to do this, as God has instructed and designed me to think. I remember hearing a story, and in this story, just it just ticks me off. I've shared it before. I know it's ticked others off as well. I, I can't quite wrap my mind around it. But, but it's, it's a picture of how we really ought to be living. It happened years ago. It was, a, it was a kid, a Christian kid, who went to a big SEC college down south to play football. And as he went to a big university, he prayed, God, give me the opportunity to be a testimony. Give me the opportunity to share the gospel with my coaches, with my teammates. That's a tough environment. One particular day he was playing, it was a Saturday afternoon, he was playing a rival university. 75,000 fans were there. And he ran his pattern. He was a wide receiver. He ran his pattern. And he was in the end zone. The ball was thrown. The ball was low. And he dove to make the catch. And he fell on the ball. Didn't catch it. He trapped it. But from the referee's vantage point, he looked and he called touchdown. Place went crazy. This kid was faced with a decision. He immediately got up, he walked over to the ref and he said, Sir, he said, I didn't catch that ball, I trapped that ball. He changed the call, took away the touchdown, and they lost the game. Now you and I would hear that, I would hear that, and I would say, just take the bad call. Just take the bad call. Any one of us would say that. And there's something, there's something that rattles inside of us. That when we would say, just take the bad call, that's the way the world thinks. That's not the way you and I think. You know why? You know why? Hear this. Because something is, is bigger. Something bigger is at stake than a game. I know that's hard to understand in our world, but it is so true. 
We are clearly taught in the Word of God, prepare your minds for action. Be sober-minded. Gather the loosened fragments of the world's thinking and philosophy. You tuck them away so you don't get tripped up on them. You practice spirits controlled, clear moral thinking and rest fully in the grace that is brought to you at the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. First and foremost, we're to be sober in your mind. Secondly, we're to be holy in our living. Secondly, we are to be holy in your living. It begins with this phrase, as obedient children. Boy, that almost seems like an oxymoron, doesn't it? Children, obedience, obedient children. Actually, it says that. There, there can be such a thing, believe it or not, as obedient children. As obedient cho- children, it talks about the fact that we're to be holy. Literally, this means as children of obedience is the way it translates. Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Now, what Peter is doing here is a noted comparison between that which is old, that which was old, and that which is new. Peter says, become holy. What does that mean? Belonging to, derived from, associated with God. There's not a lot of ways to get around the interpretation of the word holy. It means to be perfect. It means to be sanctified. It needs to be set apart. How are we to be holy in our living? How are we to be holy in an unholy world? We do this first and foremost by leaving the things of your past. By leaving the things of your past. What the author, what Peter is saying here is that by conforming and clinging to our old lifestyle will never bring you to holiness. Conforming and clinging to that which we once were will never, ever bring us to a place of holiness. Why? Because our past is one of sinfulness and ignorance and darkness. I've heard it described like, remember Pavlov's dogs? Remember Pavlov, the 19th century Russian? He's a physiologist. And he would would ring the bell, and then he would give them food. And and over a period of time, he realized whenever they heard what the, the bell ring, the dogs would automatically begin to salivate. They didn't even get anything yet. And it was already kicking in. What happens oftentimes is that in our own lives, when the bell of temptation rings, and you know what it is in your life, you know the areas what, that, that, that you can be drawn away in and enticed in and tempted in. When that bell rings, many times people go running, salivating after the very sight and sound of something that is desired by the flesh. But what? We are not to live like that. No, it says that the old has passed away. Romans chapter 6 and verse 11 says, You must consider yourselves dead to sin. And I love this. I love this. And alive in Christ. There's a point that that which is in the past has got to be in the past. Do not be conformed to your old self, to your dead self. You leave those things behind and you pursue holiness. We pursue holiness by focusing 
your attention on God's. Lastly, be holy in your living by focusing your attention on God. Put all of your attention every day on the only holy one. It says, he who called you. He called you. I can't help but think you go all the way back to verse 1 of 1 Peter. It's this one, God. It says that He elected you. In verse 2 it says that He sanctified you. In verse 3 it says He caused you to be born again. In verse 4 it says that God has given you an inheritance that is imperishable. It's kept in heaven for you. It says what in verses 10 through 12 that God calls the prophets to prophesy and calls the apostles to preach and the angels to look for the consummation of the kingdom, a time of complete glory and complete honor, complete focus on God. The way God has designed it to be and God had you in mind. Scott read a couple verses this morning from Revelation chapter 5 and there is this scene. It's, it's repeated over. Revelation 4, Revelation 5 speaks about the four creatures. It speaks about the 24 elders. It, it talks about thousands upon thousands, myriads, myriads of angels looking upon this scene. It's described again in Revelation chapter 7. Listen to this and we'll leave with this thought. This is what we live for. This is what we prepare for. In addition to the creatures, to the elders, to the angels, you know who else are there? You know who else is there? You and I. Listen to this, Revelation chapter 7 and verse 5. And after this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne, and they worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. People, we have got to learn to live For that moment, we live in preparation for that moment. God's never going to call you to do something without what? He Himself making a way. He says what? As it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. It talks about this intimacy and this closeness of a relationship that we can have with our Heavenly Father. Remember, when we sin, we choose to sin willingly choose to sin. We're not just violating some creeds. We are not just wronging the church. We're not just what causing painful consequences. We are hurting our relationship with our holy and our heavenly Father. We can't do that. God says what we live in preparation for this moment. 
preparation for the moment where there's the consummation of God's plan for your life. There's a lot here. I understand that. There's a lot of weight and responsibility. Please understand it. It's not, it's not here it is and now we push you out there in the deep end. Please understand that God's design is what? For you and I to be there alongside of one another, to encourage, to pray for, to strengthen. Some of you perhaps are struggling even right now with areas of temptation in areas that you know are unholy, in areas where your relationship is being hurt, I would encourage you to pull myself aside, to call someone close to you, call a brother in the Lord, call a sister in the Lord, call one of the elders. Find someone who you know cares for you, that pursues and desires holiness, just as God calls us to be holy, that together we journey towards the Lord in perfect obedience. Be holy as I am holy, God commands, God expects. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you, Lord, that you are everything and more that you claim to be. Give us the strength to be obedient by your spirit, and may you be glorified in all ways. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.